to page 7, you'll see our scripture for our sermon this afternoon. As you're turning there, I wonder if you've ever been in a situation where you felt like you needed to contribute something in order to feel valued or accepted by a certain group of people. Like you had to show up with something. Um, Maybe it's like you're at school and you're in a class discussion and you know you get a participation grade for that class discussion and so you're trying to figure out when's the right moment for me to raise my hand and contribute to that discussion so that I can earn the grade and prove that I'm valued in this class. Or maybe you're in a situation at work where you're working on a project and you're trying to figure out what's like the meaningful thing that I can contribute to this work project so that hopefully my supervisor sees me contribute this thing in this project and it proves that I'm valuable to the company. Uh, Or maybe you're at a small group Bible study and you're thinking, I want to look like I know stuff. So I need to figure out the right time to say something so it looks like I deserve to be in this small group Bible study because I know stuff. Uh, We are all always looking for ways to prove that we're valuable, and that we're worthy. All right, what about in our relationship with God? Do you feel like you need to contribute something to be accepted by God? That's what this passage is about this afternoon. What makes us acceptable to God? What makes us worthy of a relationship with Him? This is Philippians 3, 1 through 11. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection of the dead. The Word of the Lord. Father, we do thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us. And Father, uh, as we come to you this afternoon, we just acknowledge that we need your help to know you. That in and of ourselves, we, we can't know you unless you reveal yourself to us. And so we pray by your Holy Spirit that you would speak to us and meet us during this time. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. 
I think most of us are familiar uh, with what a resume is. It's basically a document that lists all of your background and work history and education and uh, skill sets and things like that. And you would give that document, that resume, to a potential employer to hopefully that they, they would see that resume and they would want to hire you because of what's on the resume. Okay, think about how much has changed with the pandemic in the last two years, especially as it relates to the working world. Um, people are starting to, to write some new things now based on how the pandemic changed how we work. They're, they're saying you need to change some things on your resume. And so here's a, a website that, that suggested some edits uh, on how you need to present yourself on your resume. These are some quotes. They said, quote, everyone is fatigued, attention spans are low, it's much more important to be precise and impactful. So that's the first thing, be precise and impactful. They said, quote, in 2022, you get credit for highlighting your resilience. That's one of the big buzzwords, right? So in other words, how have you dealt with the changing world during the pandemic? If you were leading a team, how have you kept the team engaged during this time? They say, quote, prove that you've adapted along with the work environment. They go on, it says, the top of your resume should include critical keywords and a quick snapshot of your core strengths. So there's like certain keywords that are going to make you stand out on your resume. Uh, they say use action verbs like generated, spearheaded, executed. Uh, they say try to make it a quote best of document. Okay, so of all the things I just said, here's the running list. The best resumes need to be precise, impactful, show resilience, show adaptability, use the right keywords, use action verbs, and it needs to be your best of document. I don't know how that makes you feel hearing those things. It makes me feel anxious. It makes me feel like, um, it makes me feel pressure to try and prove myself valuable in these very specific ways. Um, it makes me feel like I'm not really enough, but here's a way I can try to feel more like I am enough with this document. That's sort of how a resume can function in our context as a document that captures our value. The list of reasons as to why we are acceptable and worthy of whatever we're trying to go after. All right, what kind of resume do we need to come to God? Uh, the valuable thing that we need in order to come to God, the Bible calls that righteousness. Okay, so we have to have righteousness on our resume in order to have a relationship with God. But here's the problem. Romans 3 says that, quote, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks after God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So our sin, our rebellion against God, which finds its origin all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, just three chapters into the whole Bible, that means that we don't have righteousness within us. So we have to get it from somewhere else. Where do we get this righteousness? How do we build a resume of righteousness before God? Two headings I want to think about that under this afternoon. The first is our attempts at a resume... And the second is claiming Christ's resume. So first, our attempts at a resume. Uh, so we are all resume builders by nature. Uh, we're always trying to find ways to prove our worth. And it was happening in the context of this passage in Philippians. And Paul comes out with some very strong words 
in verse 2. Look at what he says in verse 2. He says, look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. And there's, kind of, there's not a lot of context around that. So it's like, whoa, Paul, what are, you, what are you talking about? Who is he talking about? He's talking about a group of religious people called the Judaizers. The Judaizers had a very specific idea about how to build a resume for God. Let's talk about the Judaizers' resume. Okay, Judaizers were Gentiles, non-Jews, who said you had to follow certain religious practices of Judaism. So in addition to faith in Christ, they believed you needed to follow certain Jewish customs in order to really be saved, in order to really be included amongst the people of God. So a simplified version of the Judaizers' resume would be Christ plus circumcision equals salvation. So they would add those Old Testament ceremonial rites like circumcision in particular to say that's what you really need if you're really going to be saved and really be included. Okay, Paul does not respond to that kindly. Um, He calls them dogs, evildoers, those who mutilate the flesh. Those terms seem a little random to us. They're very ironic. Okay, the first word, when he calls them dogs, this culture doesn't treat dogs like we treat dogs. Uh, They didn't live in the house, all right? They were dirty street animals. They were considered ceremonially unclean. And sometimes Jewish people would refer to non-Jewish people as dogs. It was an insult. So what is Paul doing here? He's reversing it. He's calling these Judaizers who are demanding additional requirements for salvation dogs. So he's essentially saying, all right, your quest to try to make yourself clean is actually making you unclean. He calls them dogs. He calls them evildoers. Again, full of irony. They're insisting on good works for salvation. Paul is calling those who insist on good works in order to be saved as evil. They're evil because they're not in line with God's means of salvation. So he's saying, all right, your quest to do good apart from God is actually evil. You're an evildoer. Then he says they mutilate the flesh. This is the height of irony. Um, He's actually using a variation of the Greek word for circumcision to basically say this thing that you think is required of you to be near to God is actually just mutilating the flesh. It does not affect your standing before God. So the resume for the Judaizers was Christ plus circumcision equals salvation. And clearly, according to Paul, that resume is not going to hold up before God. And we're going to get into Paul's specific response to them in a moment. But then Paul goes in to sort of brag about his own resume in this passage. And that that may have jumped out at you. Let's talk about Paul's resume. It's listed in verses 4 through 6 of our passage. In verse 4 he says, Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also... This is a great statement. He says, if anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. And then he just lists it all out. He's essentially saying, all right, Judaizers, you think you have a good resume? Is this a game you want to play? All right, let's play this game. And then he lists it all out. You see that in the following verses. He says, circumcised on the eighth day. meant he was perfectly following the Old Testament law. Of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin. It meant that he was ethnically Jewish. He even knew his tribe. Hebrew of Hebrews, meaning he descended from his Jewish ancestors. He was a Pharisee. 
the strictest religious sect. These were the ones who studied the law, who knew it best. It says he was so zealous that he persecuted the church and that he was blameless, that he kept this righteous law perfectly, that he was a really good person. Okay, so if anyone had the resume, it was Paul. Uh, the elementary school uh, that I went to as a kid had um, a basketball goal in like the parking lot driveway area uh, that was sort of closed off during the day. And so it was like this awesome old uh, like wooden backboard and chain um, net. Uh, it was pretty classic. But there were like certain seasons where recess would mostly be uh, pickup basketball for us. And like any pickup basketball, we would have team captains and people would start we would pick teams to play. Um, and there was one kid named Chad that always got picked first. Why? By elementary school standards, he was the perfect player. He was taller than everyone else. He was really athletic. He had great ball handling skills. Our, uh, our three-point line was invisible, but he could make the three-pointers on the driveway. Um, and Chad always got picked first, and he always won. All right. The Apostle Paul was the real deal. If anyone could be a Pharisee, it was Paul. Uh, if it was a contest in knowledge of the law, if it was a contest in obedience to the law, Paul gets picked first. Paul wins every time. But Paul himself is going to say that that resume will not hold up before God. All right. We looked at Judaizers. We looked at Paul. What about us? How do we try to build a resume with God. Let, let's talk about our resume. Um, our attempts to build a resume are going to look a little bit different than the Judaizers or Paul. Um, in our context, we're not necessarily trying to advocate for following Jewish ceremonial laws. But we develop our own add-ons to Jesus in order to like really be saved or really be included or counted as a Christian. And I wonder if you just think about your own life. What is that for you? Um, how do you fill in the blank, Christ plus what equals salvation? How would you fill in that blank? And again, uh, we're never intentionally doing this, um, but our hearts are sneaky and we can find ourselves sort of qualifying, like, all right, here's what it means to really be spiritually mature. Spiritually mature. Yes, Jesus, but also it's really this. Uh, thinking about the last few years, even the last 50 years, it might be related to politics. Christ plus a certain political party or a certain political view means you're really in. You really get it. You're really spiritually mature and safe. Or maybe it's Christ plus a certain view on a hot cultural issue that depending how you view that issue will decide if you really get it or not, if you're really spiritually mature. Or maybe it's Christ plus a certain denomination, denominational belief that if, you know, like you hear about someone else, oh yeah, they're a Christian. Oh, but they're a part of that denomination. It makes them less than. So it's Christ plus denomination. Maybe it's Christ plus certain worship style or church style. Maybe it's Christ plus a certain parenting style or schooling preference. I wonder what it is for you. What are you tempted to add on to Jesus? Or maybe the conversation is really different for you. Maybe you feel so guilty, you feel so unclean 
because of something in your past that your struggle is not so much trying to build a resume for Jesus, but you just feel like you're beyond the help of any resume. You don't feel like there's a resume out there that can get you in with God. Uh, You're too bad. You're too guilty. You're too unforgivable. And there's nothing that can help you. So you're not really competing in this idea of like self-righteousness, these add-ons to be saved. You just feel like you can't be saved. Um, Whether we're trying to build our own resume or we feel like there's not a resume that can help us, it drives us back to this original question. What makes us worthy to have a relationship with God? What resume will hold up with God? Let's talk about claiming Christ's resume. Claiming Christ's resume. The first thing we see about it is that it involves new accounting. Claiming Christ's resume involves new accounting. Look at verses 7 through 9. Paul says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from a law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Okay, so multiple commentaries point out that there's this new accounting method that Paul introduces here, that he turns totally upside down our ideas of gains and losses. Um, Okay, so what would Paul have previously considered a gain? Well, it would have been his resume, right, that he just listed out. Look, if there was something to gain by obedience, Paul was going to do it. And he had an an impressive resume. But in this new accounting, what does Paul say? He says, all that gain, it's loss. Uh, Depending on your own resume, your own gains is actually the way to lose it all with God. That's what Paul is telling us. What might have been considered loss? Uh, A misunderstood, marginalized, suffering, crucified Messiah who is hanging on the cross. And as people are watching him hang on the cross, they think, this is failure. This is loss. That is not gain. What appeared as loss is actually gain, Paul says. There's a quote in the front of your bulletin from Sally Lloyd-Jones. She's a wonderful writer. She wrote the Jesus Storybook Bible, which you might be familiar with. She also has a great devotional for kids called Thoughts to Make Your Heart Sing. So if you're a little bit older, kids, you're looking for something devotional, that would be a great resource, Thoughts to Make Your Heart Sing. But she summarizes what Paul is saying here by saying this. This is a math equation. She says, God plus nothing equals everything. And everything Minus God is nothing. All right, this is the new accounting that is required if we are to claim Christ's resume rather than our own. God plus nothing equals everything. What we thought was gain is actually loss. What we thought was loss is actually gain. The second thing we see about claiming Christ's resume is that it includes a new union. It includes a new union. Look at the second half of verse 8. Paul goes on, he says, In order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death. Paul is describing 
union with Christ. Uh, when we put our faith in Jesus, we are united to Christ. And we actually saw this in our assurance of grace this morning from Romans chapter 6. The Apostle Paul also wrote Romans and he says, For we have been united with him in a death like his. We shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So by faith, we are united to Jesus in his death and his resurrection. So what's true of Jesus is true of us. Uh, when I was in college, I studied business. And as a business major, you do a ton of group projects. Good group, good experience, good grade, bad group, bad experience, bad grade. I'll never forget um, my e-business class in uh, this is my sophomore year. Even just like, I don't think they call anything e-business anymore. Isn't everything like e-business now? It's been a long time. Um, but the assignment was to build a database management program. I think that's what it's called. If you're into computers, you could probably correct me afterwards. I think it was a database management program, which I knew nothing about, still don't know much about it. As the groups were assigned for this project, I was placed with two other students. One was a middle linebacker for the TCU football team, which I was really excited to get to know this guy because he was kind of a celebrity on campus. I did have some reservations about his database management skills. Um, not to say that football players can't be great at that, but I was just curious about that. The other was a student named Eric that I hadn't met before. Um, so we sit down at our first group project meeting and we go around and introduce ourselves. Eventually we get to Eric. And he says, hi, my name is Eric and I've been working for the past few years as a programmer building database management programs. And me and the linebacker just looked at each other and smiled. All right, as I think back on that project, I am not exactly sure what we did on that project, but we crushed it. We did such a good job that the professor called us into his office thinking that we had cheated. And he sits us down. I was super nervous. I remember this vividly. He sits us down and he says, look, I've never seen a project this good before. Surely you cheated. Who'd you, you know, did you just pay someone to, have, to do it for you? What, what, what'd you do? And me and the linebacker are like, Ugh. And Eric explains to the professor what his job was for the past few years and essentially says that he's like an expert in the field. And the professor just kind of throws his hands up and he told me and the linebacker how lucky we were to have Eric in our group and he let us go. Uh, the linebacker and I did very little to contribute to this project. We really did try, but, but it was not much. But we were in the same group as Eric. And everything that we were supposed to do in this group project, Eric did perfectly. And as it went for Eric, so it went for us. And so we all got a perfect grade. Union with Christ means that as it goes for Jesus, so it goes for you. The forgiveness that he accomplished on the cross is really your forgiveness. The perfect righteousness from his life is really your perfect righteousness. Um, union with Christ means that Jesus' resume is your resume, really. And how do you get it? By faith. What is faith? Receiving and resting on Jesus. It's not doing. It's receiving and resting. Lastly, Claiming Christ's resume, it gives us a new goal. Look at verses 10 and 11. Paul says that I may know him 
and the power of His resurrection and may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection of the dead. So Paul continues here to be talking to talk about what it means to be united with Christ, that we know the power of His resurrection, that we share in His sufferings, we, we become like Him in His death, and ultimately it leads to our own resurrection from the dead, that um, in the same way that Christ rose from the grave, Paul is saying we will actually physically be resurrected in these bodies in the new heavens and the new earth. That we'll get to see these bodies again in the flesh. We'll be resurrected. But to see the new goal that Paul is talking about, we have to remember and look at how the passage began. How does it begin? He says rejoice in the Lord. That's not randomly throwing in, thrown in there. He's talking about this reason our union with Christ is why we can rejoice in the Lord. It's a main theme in Philippians. Jesus as our source of true joy. And Paul oozes with joy when he talks about Jesus. And what is the goal? Verse 10, that I may know Him. The goal is knowing Jesus. Um, what Paul is saying in this passage isn't that... It's, it, it's, it's not just that we're after this new status. It's not that we're just after eternal security... Though in Christ we get a new status, in Christ we get eternal security. What Paul is saying is that the ultimate thing for him is Jesus himself. Knowing Christ. That is the goal. That's what Paul's after. That's what brings him joy. Uh, in high school I had a mentor named Andrew. And Andrew was uh, an FCA sponsor uh, for our local FCA chapter at our high school. And, and Andrew was great. He, he was a friend of me. He helped me learn what it looks like to live as a follower of Jesus while in high school. Eventually he had to move away. And he was back in town one weekend. And so he reached out and he said, hey, I'd love to get some time with you while I'm back in town. But I kind of have a busy weekend, he said, because I have some friends getting married. I'm going to their wedding. And he said, uh, this may sound a little bit odd, but if you want to get some extra time together, why don't you just come with me to this wedding and we can kind of catch up at the wedding. And as a high schooler, I was like, okay, that sounds great. And so um, I somehow ended up at this person's wedding who I don't know who the, I still don't know who these people were. I was like a high school wedding crasher at this point. Um, and we get to the reception and it turns out that this family was going to do a receiving line to greet all the guests. So it's like 20 people long, all the family connected to this wedding. And I'm a high school kid. I'm thinking, all right, what am I going to say to these 20 family members about why I'm at this wedding? I don't know the name of the bride and groom. And as I started going through this line, and they would look at me, wondering who I was, and I would just smile and say, I'm with Andrew. And the thing about Andrew was, everybody loved this guy. And so they would say, oh, that's great. We're so glad you're here. Because I was with Andrew, instantly I was a welcome guest at this wedding. When you put your faith in Christ... Jesus' resume is given to you. And you know what you're able to say as you stand before God the Father. I'm with Jesus. And because of that, his resume covers you. And you are therefore a welcome guest with the Father. Do you know Jesus? Do you really know him? Uh, he offers himself to you this afternoon. And if you don't know him, know that I would love to chat with you afterwards about what that might look like for you to surrender all and to entrust yourself to him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the good news that 
we really are united to Jesus by faith. Uh, that His forgiveness becomes our forgiveness. That His righteousness becomes our righteousness. And that because we are with Jesus, we are welcomed, yes, at your table forever. Father, for those here who already believe this, would you impress that deeply on our hearts that we might believe even deeper today? For those here who don't yet believe, would you give them the gift of faith? We ask for that by your spirit in the name of Jesus. Amen.